Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And then down verse 13, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him, and shall take oaths in his name. Let's take a moment to prepare to do just that, to serve our God to worship him, for he is worthy. Let's take a moment of silent meditation and preparation. Amen. Please rise now as we hear the call of our Heavenly Father. The call this morning is coming uh, from Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God. And the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, what have we been called to do? But to sing and make a joyful noise to the Lord. So let's do so. Let us shout to him through song. Uh, beginning in 570, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And then we'll be singing from Psalm 103. So let's begin with uh, 570.
and then turn to 103 easy, 103E. O come, my soul, bless thou the Lord thy maker.
Father in heaven. And we acknowledge that you are our heavenly Father. And you've called us to honor our Father who art in heaven. To honor our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is seated at your right hand. To honor the Holy Spirit who is dwelling with us, even now is here with us. We thank you, triune God, that you have called us out of darkness and called us now into the, into the glorious presence of the triune God. Not that we assemble so much here on earth, but we join with the angels and the just men made perfect around your throne. We are seated in heavenly places and we have been lifted up now into your very presence. We've gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we ask, O oh Lord, that you would enable us to honor our Father, to honor our Savior, to honor the Spirit, that you would grant unto us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, that you would open our hearts, that you would grant unto us repentance and faith, that we may respond to your law word, to your revealed will, as we just sang, uh, your will is revealed to us both in our hearts and through your word. Grant unto us an understanding heart and a broken heart, that you may grant unto us a healed heart, restored to do, do your will. And so we pray that you'd speak to us from heaven through your word. Grant unto us that our prayers, our praises, all that we do this day would be to your glory and praise. Enable us, O Lord, to honor you above all else. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. This morning we have opportunity to confess our sins, and we'll do that with a responsive reading found in your bulletin. That comes from Galatians 5, chapters, chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. I'll read the light type if you can respond in the dark type. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the, against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. None of the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you once again for the revelation of your will. We know that your law, your will revealed in the law, 
is perfect. And the Psalms say, converting the soul. And that conversion requires, or is in part, a heartfelt sorrow for sin, causing us to hate it and turn from it always more and more, as well as a heartfelt joy in you through Christ, causing us to take the light and living according to your will in all good works. And so, Lord, we do uh, desire to have that heartfelt sorrow, to have the proper response to the revelation of your good will for us and how we have not kept it, how we are guilty of worshiping our own will, of manipulating the things that you have given us, creation, to accomplish what we want, irregardless of what you want. We acknowledge that we have been self-centered, self-focused. We do acknowledge that we have sinned against you, that all sin, whether it be against our neighbor or in violation of the commandments concerning idolatry, we have violated, we have sinned. We've done that which is evil in your sight. We acknowledge that you are the one that searches the heart, and so we ask that you would do so. As David said, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and remove it far from us. Remove it far from me. We do pray that you would take our heart. As Calvin said, my heart I present to you promptly and sincerely. And so, Lord, take our hearts. Take the center of our beings. Take the place where sin starts. And we pray that it would be yours. Remove far from us not only the sin, but the consequences. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took upon yourself the consequences of our sin on the cross. You bore it. You declared it is finished. The debt is paid. And so we pray that you would strengthen us to believe that, to trust you, to thank you, to worship you as the redeemed of the Lord, that we would come with singing unto Zion, with everlasting joy upon our heads. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us do so. Let us celebrate the love of the Father. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So our hymn is 351. How deep the Father's love for us. 351. Let us stand and celebrate our Heavenly Father in His love.
seated. And if you will take up the uh, small, uh, complete gospel there in front of you, and if you turn with me to question number 23, yeah, it's on page 22, uh, we find the Apostles' Creed, and so let us make a public profession of our faith once again. What do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. How important is it to you that Jesus rose from the dead? I was thinking about that as we were singing and as we were reading that. There are some churches that emphasize the death of Christ, but not the resurrection. Is that erroneous? If it wasn't for his resurrection, his death is meaningless. Do you understand that? That's what Paul says, the Apostle Paul. We celebrate an empty tomb as well as an empty cross. That's why one of my favorite ways of greeting is what? He is risen? He is risen indeed. Very good. Okay. Let's go to the Heidelberg Catechism as we're working through it. We have it in front of us, and so we're... Where, uh, what's the first part of the catechism? How great my sin and misery is. How do you know your misery out of the law of God? That's the question that those who are memorizing the catechism loves the best. Because it's what? Five words. Out of the law of God. Oh, six words. Sorry, I'm corrected. Right? Weren't they all like that easy? So today, we're on the Lord's Day number three. We're in that first section, how great my sin and misery is. So let us read responsibly. I have questions number six, seven, and eight. I'll read the question, if you'll please respond with the answer. Question six, did God create man thus wicked and perverse? No, but God created man good and after his own image, that is, in righteousness and true holiness, that he might rightly know God, his creator, heartily love him and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. From where then does this depraved nature of man come? From the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve. In paradise, whereby our nature became so corrupt that we are all conceived and born in sin. 
But are we so depraved that we are completely incapable of any good and prone to all evil? Yes, unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. Okay, Great stuff there. I shouldn't call it stuff. <laughs> but still, it's great, isn't it? God created man good, very good, after his own image. And that included righteousness and true holiness. Do you know that although it says that Adam and Eve were in the garden naked, they were clothed with righteousness and true holiness. When they sinned, they lost that clothing, if you will. Scripture says, where do we stand in Christ? We are clothed with his righteousness before God. They were holy. They were righteous before God. And they had fellowship with him. Notice that. That he might rightly know God, his creator. He had that experience, that eternal life experience with life. And to love him from the heart. And to live with him in eternity, in eternal blessedness. To praise and glorify him. In Christ, those things that are described there are things that we are looking forward to. The glory of God. So, he was uniquely created, mankind, our forefathers, our father and mother in paradise. So then why is it that there's none righteous, no, not one, there's none who understands, there's none who seeks after God? Why is that? That's the next question. That's not what we experience in ourselves and in, around us. And the answer is because of the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. And I like how it says our first parents. We're talking about honoring our fathers and mothers today. Our first parents sinned, and therefore our nature became so corrupt that we are born in sin and we do sin. We are sin. And then we do sin. That's who we are in Adam. Will we choose anything but sin in Adam? Can we? The answer is no. We don't want to. Our hearts don't want to. We only choose what our hearts want, and what our hearts want is not God. So are we so depraved that we are completely incapable of any good in the sight of God, and we are prone to all evil and the short answer is yes. Is that hard to take? Does the natural man say, oh yeah, that's really, I believe that. Or they say, that's wrong. I'm not that bad. I can freely choose to do good in the sight of God. The answer here is no. What has to happen first? God has to have mercy on you. The Spirit must work and make you born from the dead, 
born again by the Spirit of God. The amazing thing is he chooses to do so. It was the last time you said thank you to the Holy Spirit for granting you life from the dead if you believe in Jesus. Now, if you don't believe in Jesus, well then, cry out for that. So that's something you can do. You can't make yourself born again. Were you, did you make yourself born? Did you will to be born? No. Can you be born again by your own will? Not according to the Scriptures. It's the grace of God. That's why we celebrate that grace, right? That's why we're called Grace Reformed Church, right? It's because we celebrate the grace of God. And being born again is the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. So let us prepare uh, to receive God's word found in Ephesians chapter 6. So let's go ahead first and uh, sing uh, hymn number 500. Father, I know that all my life. Do you catch the theme today of Father? great statement? A life of self-renouncing love is freedom. That's a great statement. 
All right, so if you'll turn in your Bibles now, we are working our way through the book of Ephesians, a letter of Paul to the brethren there in Ephesus. We are beginning chapter 6. We'll be reading verses 1 through 4 and looking at that today. Lord, we pray that you bless now the reading and preaching of your holy word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And I also wanted to, uh, also Paul will say practically the same thing in his letter to the Colossians. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. The grass withers, the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, here we are told to honor those who reflect you those who have been placed in a position of father and mother, those in authority over us. We pray that you would enable us to do so, to honor those in authority over us. And for those who are in authority, fathers and mothers, and bosses and so, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would enable us also to guide and direct, encourage, strengthen, love those under our care. Help us to be those shepherds, those that love their children, those in authority, those under their authority. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would, as we are uh, listening to this application of what it is to be a child of God, walking and following Jesus, we pray, O oh Lord, that we would be able to hear and see your care for us as well. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's been said that, the, that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. True. If somebody imitates you, it's actually a compliment. Hopefully, it's a good imitation, not a bad one. Many years ago, there was a pastor who preached the charge to, his, to the congregation of his, um, where his son was becoming a pastor. And he did something that I thought was pretty uh, funny. Normally, if you notice in the sermon outline, how many points is normally in a sermon? Three points. He said, I'm going to do something different. I've got one point, but I got three texts instead of one text, three points. 
And his point was, to the charge to the congregation was, esteem your pastor, it will be good for you. I thought that was a very interesting um, sermon. As a matter of fact, it's one of those sermons that I remember. Um, esteem or honor your pastor, it will be good for you. Uh, the text that he used was 1 Thessalonians 5.13, among others. But as I, as I thought about that, in a sense, I realized that this message is also true. And so the title, Honor Your Father and Mother, It Will Be Good For You. So that's kind of the inspiration of the title. We, we read earlier Deuteronomy chapter 6 in devotion. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, like I said, where the Ten Commandments are reiterated, what is the commandment concerning parents? Honor your father and your mother. Here in our text, we find the same commandment. Verse 2, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with the promise. Stop and think about that. How many of the commandments, of the Ten Commandments, have a promise? If you do this, this is what you'll benefit from. Not many. It's the first commandment with a promise. What? That it may be well with you, that it may be good for you, and that you may live long on the earth. So, in contradiction to our culture's attack on God-given authority and law, here we say, here we see God saying, this is how you can please me. As Paul said in Colossians. Children, how can you please God? Honor your father and your mother. Obey them. Love them. We've been working our way through the book, and remember the book, uh, the three theme words. If we were to summarize the book of Ephesians, see if you're listening, see if you remember. What is the first word? Anybody? What are you doing right now? Sit. Sitting, seated in heavenly places in Christ. Sit. And then starting in chapter 4, what's the word? Walk. Sit. Walk. Stand is we haven't got there yet. Okay. So we've been looking at from chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Walk. Because you're seated in Christ, now walk according to who you are. Conduct your life according to who you are in Christ. Walk. Follow Jesus. So we're seated in heavenly places. It's designed to give us a right orientation in life. And now he says, with your feet planted solidly on earth and moving for Christ. That's what he's talking about. Application, practical application. How do I practically apply the grace of God in my life? And he says, walk, 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 walk. Okay? And this is part of this text is part of that walking with Jesus. So I have the first question. Uh, the first point is a question, who is it that I am supposed to honor? 
And first and foremost, the answer is, like if you're in Sunday school and you have a question, the safest answer to any question in Sunday school is God. Okay, right? It's usually the safest answer. You're good chance you're going to be correct, right? So who is it that I'm supposed to honor? I'm supposed to honor God. I'm supposed to respect God. I'm supposed to reverence God. I'm supposed to fear God. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. It is the logical thing to do if we understand who God is. If God is who he says he is in the Bible, holy, exalted, transcendent, and on and on and on, the, logic, the, the, the smartest thing, the right thing to do is to honor and worship him. So we live in a world that's insane because it's in rebellion against the, the logical thing to do. No God. I'm God. Not him. Is that the world? Is that mankind? The answer is Yes. So who we are to honor? We're to honor God. He is exalted above all creation. He's the creator. He's the provider. And this is where people don't like even thinking about God. They try to banish God from their thinking. He is also judge. I think that's the motivation. I don't want to be judged by God, so I will just dismiss God out of my life. True or false? True. I don't want there to be a God because that means he's God, I'm not. And that means I have an account. I will have to give an account to him one day. Is that in the Bible? Will God judge us for all the things that we've done in life? The answer is yes. Here's a question. Will anybody go into heaven because of what they've, they've done? Is that in Revelation chapter 20? Will we be judged for our works? The answer is yes. Will we go to heaven because of our works? The answer is no. What does it say? The only way to get into heaven is having your name written into the book of life. Do you write it in or does Jesus write it in? Jesus writes it in. By grace you are saved. Through faith, and that and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. Right? So then why do good works? Because that's what we're created to do. Right? It's, it's the logical thing to do. So the opposite of that is to be a fool. Right? What does the Bible say in Psalm 14? The fool is said in his heart, no, God, or no God. Fear God, reverence God, respect him. He's our heavenly father. He is the one who created us. And who else are we supposed to honor? Those created in his image. Have you ever thought of mankind as the crown of creation? What other thing in creation has been referenced as being created in the image of God? Are animals created in the image of God? Is there anything? No. The answer is no. Is that why we honor life, human life? And the taking of human life requires serious 
intervention. Genesis chapter 9, right? Serious. We are called to honor one another. We are the crown of creation. God has entrusted into our hands dominion over creation. Did that, was that taken away at the fall? Was man taken out of having authority over creation? The answer is no, he still is. But now he's a rebellious servant. And Christ came to conquer. The gospel is the gospel of the victory declaration of Jesus Christ over all rebels. Amen? Amen? Is Jesus Lord? Is he not only Lord of those who say he's Lord, is he Lord over those who say no? He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's reigning from heaven now. So we do honor those who create an image of God. We don't take their life, right? Sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder those who are created in the image of God. Who else are we to honor? Those placed in authority over us. In particular, in our text today, it's fathers and mothers. We're called to be in subjection to them. I skipped the proposition or the, uh, the main point. I'm going to read it. God has chosen to reveal himself and his care for us first through our earthly mothers and fathers. Through them, he challenges us to obey him and, to, and teaches us how to show him the respect he deserves. Even better, he provides many positive incentives to motivate and encourage us to hear and receive, to trust and obey. One author talking about that idea of being in subjection to those in authority over us, including our, our parents, um, he says, subjection is easiest to tolerate when it comes to our parents. Agree or disagree? That was a tough one, right? Well, do we like to submit to anybody? That's hard, right? But he says, the Lord uses our parents. Uh, the Lord, therefore, gradually accustoms us to all lawful subjection, since the reason for all is the same. Indeed, he shares his name with those to whom he has given preeminence, so far as it is necessary to preserve this, the title father, and you can add mother. Those persons, therefore, with whom he shares this title, he lights up with a spark of his splendor, so that each may be distinguished according to his degree. Thus, in him who is our father, we should recognize something divine because he does not bear the divine title without cause. And he goes on to say, another author goes on to say, it is, the, it is the first school, our family, our mother, our father, is our first school of, of learning to submit to authority. Right? The little baby, nursing baby, on up. how we treat our parents, 
how we learn respect or not affects the rest of our life. You learn to disrespect your parents, what happens? You start disrespecting the police officer. You start disrespecting laws. What happens? There are consequences. So we are called to respect, to honor those in authority over us, especially fathers and mothers. It is God's way of educating us on how to do so. And then finally, Scripture says, honor all men. Honor all. Why? Because they're in the image of God. That's hard to do sometimes, right? What's the hardest thing to do is to honor someone who's not honorable, right? At work, are there people at work out on the oil feed? For those of you at work, are there dishonorable uh, people, people that, that, are we still called to honor them as a human being? To show them respect because they're created in the image of God. Even if they have no, there's no way that I can respect this man in my flesh as he is. No, we're called to honor all, all men, including and especially our parents. My second point, why should I? And I love my answer there in the, in the outline. What do you think? Live long and prosper or die young and miserable. I don't know if any of you are Star Trek uh, Trekkies. You know, what is the Vulcan greeting, right? You know where that came from? Came from the synagogue. That's what the rabbi would say, live long and prosper. It's the word shalom. Shalom. Yeah, the Vulcans are the Jews of Star Trek world. At least that's what some have said. Okay. Live long and prosper. Isn't that what our text is saying? That it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So what's the opposite? That it may go bad and you die young. Is, there, is that true? If we, not, we don't learn how to honor those in authority... It's a dangerous thing. This is the right thing, Paul says. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Why? Again, I'm answering the question, why? Number one, because God commanded it. It isn't that God said it, I believe it, that settles it. It's God said it, that settles it. Whether you believe it or not doesn't matter. It's still true if God commanded it. It is the right thing to do. Even nature teaches us that. Well, I need to understand why I need to do this before I do it. Is that ever a temptation? I will only obey what I understand. If I can't understand, if I don't agree with you, I'm not going to do it. Is that obedience? Is that submission to authority? The answer is no. Obey first, explanation can follow. Or may not. We're still called to obey. Otherwise, if I only obey what I understand, who's in charge? Me. 
It's the right thing to do. Obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Secondly, why should I do it? Because it is God's revealed will again. It's not based on personal character, kindness, expediency. It's because it's what God says. I've just repeated myself, didn't I say it twice? Number three, why should I do it? Because God promises two things. Number one, that it may be well with you. Or the title of the sermon, that it may be good for you. That's a promise. Secondly, why? Because God promises that you may live long in the promised land. At least that's what it was to the original audience. Well, you may live long on the earth. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 2. I've got two verses in Proverbs. Positive and a negative. Positive. Chapter 3, verse 2. Begin in verse 1. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and shalom, peace, they will be added to you. Let your heart keep my commandments. Length of day, long life, and good shalom. What's the opposite? Live, die young and miserable. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother... The ravens of the valley will pluck it out, and the young eagles will eat it. What is he saying? Disobey, you'll die, or you'll be dead out in the valley, and the ravens will come and pluck out your eye to make sure you're dead so they can eat you up. Pretty serious stuff, isn't it? We're not just talking theory here. It's life and death, according to the scriptures. Length of days, long life and peace shall be added to you. So why should I honor my father and my, my mother and those in authority? It's a life and death reason. So, how do I do it? Third question. How do I do it? Through obedience, honor, and gratitude. But let's turn that around. Let's, remember I mentioned earlier the word glory. Remember that? The key word for today is glory. So there's five elements, five ways that you can honor your father and your mother. And the, and the word glory is the key. So if I come up to you afterwards, I... Uh, kids, I'm expecting you to remember the word glory. You might not remember what they all stand for, the G and the L and the O and the R and the Y, but I want you to remember the word. Okay, glory. So, number one, glory, the G. What is the G? Gratitude. 
We are called to be grateful, to thank God for our parents. That may be the hardest one, right? Especially when they tell me to do something I don't want to do. Or, have you ever had this situation happen where you, were, you know that you're supposed to go take out the trash, you're thinking about doing it, you're getting ready to do it, and then your mom says, go take out the trash. You ever had that happen before? And, oh, I'm so angry. I was just going to do that. Thankful. Expressing gratitude. Thank you, God, for giving me my parents. For those of you that know, my mother lost her mother when she was one years old possibly giving birth to her sister who also died. Then when she was six years old, she got very sick. Her dad took her to the hospital. They told him she's going to die, and he couldn't take it, and he left her in the hospital to die and moved to Chicago. From age six, she had no parents. When she was married was the first time she had a family again. And when she had gave birth to her firstborn son, her first flesh and blood, she experienced life without parents. Do you appreciate the gift? Are you thankful that God has given you parents, unlike my mother? We recently have an adoption, little Mella. She's around, but Mella now has a mommy and a daddy. Legally. That love her. So what's the first? How do you... When was the last time you said, thank you, mom, thank you, dad, for being my mom, for being my dad? You ever? Boys? You ever said, thank you, mom, thank you, dad? Girls? Oh, I have to put up with them. No, I thank God for them. Could have been a different setting. So the first thing to do today, say thank you. The G. Second, what's the second letter? L. L. Anybody can guess what the next thing you're called to do? Love, okay. Love your parents. Uh, Richard Baxter, I didn't bring the book with me. Richard Baxter went into great detail here. I want to read what he said. Be sure that you dearly love your parents. Delight to be in their company. Be not like those unnatural children that love the company of their idle playfellows better than their parents and had rather be abroad about their sports than in their parents' sight. Now that's old English. We're talking 400 years ago. But what did he say? Who are these playfellows? Your buddies. Your friends. Your peers. I'll read it again. Be sure that you dearly love your parents. Delight to be in their company. Remember, they're only going to be around for a little while and then they're gone. 
My parents are gone. I can't go to them and talk to them and ask them questions anymore. They're gone. Don't be presumptuous. Love your parents and rejoice in their company. He goes on to say, remember that you have your being from them and come out of their loins. Remember what sorrow you have cost them and what care they are at your, for your education and provision. Remember how tenderly they have loved you and what grief it will be to their hearts if you miscarry and how much your happiness will make them glad. Remember what love you owe them both by nature and in justice for all their love to you and all that they have done for you. They take your happiness or misery to be one of the greatest parts of the happiness or misery of their own lives. Deprive them not then of their happiness by depriving yourself of your own. Make not their lives miserable by undoing yourself. Though they chide you and restrain you and correct you, do not therefore abate your love to them, for this is their duty which God requires them and they do it for your good. Now, most of you parents are going to say, you know, I need a copy of that. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great statement? Do we ever stop and think about what our parents are, uh, have done for us? How much they put up with us? We are called to love our parents. Okay, what's the third word? Oh, what do you think that one is? Obey? Is that what I heard? Obedience? Obey? Okay, bad word. Four-letter word, obey. Ooh, right? He goes on to say, I hope you don't mind. I don't normally do a lot of reading, but this is, he, it's so good. Anyways, obey your parents in all things, which God forbiddeth not. Okay, so he throws that in. As long as your parents aren't telling you to go out and kill somebody or... You know, obey your parents in all things. Remember that as nature has made you unfit to govern yourselves, so God in nature hath mercifully provided governors for you. Isn't that an insult? God has made you unfit to govern yourself. True or false? As a child, as an infant, can you govern yourself as an infant? As a small child? As you grow up, well, I'm an adult now. You're still a child in one sense. We need governors. We need those in authority over us. He goes on to write, to obey our parents is to do, that what they, uh, to do which they command you and forbear that which they forbid you because it is their will you should do so. You must have in your minds a desire to please them and to be glad when you can please them, and sorrow when you, and be sorry when you offend them. That ever come to mind? Is that ever a, a thought in your mind? Well, what I'm about to do is going to be something that pleases my parents, or is going to break their heart. You ever, does that cross your mind, kids? I remember one pastor said that he was hanging out. This was years ago. He was hanging out with his friends, and they all smoked, and they were all encouraging him to smoke cigarettes. 
And he said, I didn't smoke cigarettes because I knew what it would do to my mom. I, know would, I knew that it would break her heart if she found out that I was smoking cigarettes. And so he said, that's what restrained me, constrained me from going along with my buddies. Is that at all in your mind when you are being tempted? Well, what do my parents think about this? Would they, be, would they approve or disapprove? Be ready, he says, you must not act, uh, uh, you must not set your intellect, your will against theirs, but readily obey their commands without unwillingness, murmuring, and or disputing. Whoops, ooh, that's hard. Though you think your own way is best and your own desires are but reasonable, yet your own intellect uh, and will must be subjected unto theirs, or how else do you obey them? Like I said, you're going to want a copy of this. I can make copies, parents. Kids, if you go, it would be good to read. Is it true that you should hire a teenager? What's the rest of this, the joke? Yeah, hire a teenager while they know everything, right? We don't know anything, right? I'm, I'm an old, old man. I'm still learning. I don't, I'm a dummy. So many things to learn. Consider it is the will of God that it should be so, and that he has made them as his officers to govern you, and in disobeying them, you disobey him. True or false? You disobey your parents, are you disobeying God? Now, now, again, he throws in qualification as long as they don't tell you to go kill someone or a sin. But still, we're called, what's the third word? G-L-O, obey. R. Anybody want to guess on that one? Oh, that would be good. Repent of all the things that I didn't do there. That would be good. No, it's respect. Reverence, respect. Kind of the same as honor, right? Same word. Honor your parents, both in your thoughts and speech and behavior. Which one's the hardest to govern? Your thoughts, your speech, or your behavior? Thoughts. Is that hard to honor your parents and your thoughts? Especially when they tell you to do something you don't want to do or you don't agree with. And the answer is yes. Speak not dishonorably, rudely, irreverently, or saucelessly. In other words, evil words. Uh, either to them or of them. Behave not yourself rudely and irreverently before them. Now, this sounds like something that comes out of 400 years ago, doesn't it? That's not acceptable today. I am encouraged to talk evil about my parents by my peers, by my friends, aren't? especially when they want me to do something I disagree with. How, how is best you can honor your parents? Number one, believe the gospel. The Father gave his Son, that we might become his sons and daughters. 
Believing the gospel. Honoring God. Honoring your parents. If your parents are believers, what is the best way you can encourage and bless them is believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. Right? If they're believers in Christ, that's what they want for you more than anything else. Heaven and hell, (laughs) they want the best for you. Esteem them. One author says, cultivate inward feelings for them. How? Courtesy. When was the last time you said to your father or your mother, yes, sir? Some of you are trained in that. You're to speak to those in authority as sir and ma'am. Do you? Yes, sir. Not just yes, dad. Yes, sir. Yes, father. Is there a difference? Courtesy, compassion, using the proper title, humility, asking for advice. When was the last time you asked for advice from your parents? What should I do here? Is that that natural for you? Or that's the last person I'm going to ask because I know what he's going to say. He's going to shoot down my idea. Well, he's your father. She's your mother. Honor, reverence. And what's the last one? Youth. Why? Glory. Youth. In other words, energy and care. Using your energy for their good. Many of you do that. Many of you kids. I'm talking to you kids. Many of you are very helpful around the house. Sometimes not so much. But you have energy and things that you can do that even they can't do anymore. Right, Dan? 50 years old. He's starting to feel it. Right? That's why he's giving you three boys and a girl. Right? Four boys, five boys. Right? So youth. Use what God has given you to honor your parents. Have I beaten you up enough yet? I'm skimming the surface of things that is written about that. I hope you understand. What is the summary? One word. Kids, I want to hear the kids say it. What's the one word that you're taking away from today? Thank you. Glory. Expressing gratitude, loving, obedience, respect, and use your energy for their good. That's ways that we can honor our parents. Does that mean that, what about us adults, grown kids? Can we still honor our parents even if they're not with us? Speaking rightly of them? Honoring them with... Our thoughts. Honor your father and your mother. It will go, it will be good for you. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you for sending, giving us fathers and mothers who raised us. Though, yes, they are sinners too and they have uh, failed in many ways. And we can find those, we can see those easily. Yet, your love toward us 
was in giving them. Not only parents, but also those in authority over us. Help us, Lord, uh, to take these thoughts, these uh, points, this glory uh, summary, and put it into practice to honor those in authority over us, whether they be our parents or our boss or uh, the civil magistrate or whatever authorities that you place in our lives. Uh, enable us, O oh Lord, to sh- truly express our thankfulness for them, uh, that you would enable us to love them, that you would actually love them through us, that we would be uh, of submissive and obedient unto you and to them, uh, that we would be able to respect, even if it's the uniform, uh, their position, uh, help us to be able to do so and enable us to use the things that you've given to us, including our energy and abilities uh, for their good and your glory. And so we, we commit this to you and we pray that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. And we'll let us respond by his ties and our offerings. Father in heaven, we do commit to you these tithes and offerings. We thank you for providing for us. and We give back a portion, acknowledging that all comes from you. And then we pray, Lord, for your blessing upon the management of these resources and help us also to manage the resources you've given to us, place under our care, especially time and our relationships with one another, as well as financial resources and other types of resources. We pray, O Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We also do acknowledge that we are in need of your fatherly care, your providence. And so you do say, ask, you command us to ask, to seek, to knock. And so we do so as your people. There's cares and concerns that we brought with us, concerns about our families, concerns about work, about finances, about health, um, many different ways that we are challenged and tested in this life. And so we commit those to you and we look to you for provision. We ask, O oh Lord, for healing for those who are dealing with sickness. Uh, we think of Ethel in particular as she is battling cancer. We ask uh, also for those who are dealing with other kinds of health concerns. Thank you, Lord, for uh, answered prayer. Many times you have healed us in answer to prayer We thank you for that. We lay before you also, uh, we are called uh, to be uh, ambassadors, uh, um, peacemakers, um, that you use us. We pray that you would enable us to be at peace with one another and also to be there to be able to be an instrument through which the peace of God comes to those who trust in Christ. And so we ask for that, Lord. Grant unto us opportunity and 
uh, boldness to be able to speak the truth, uh, to share the gospel as you open doors. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for our families. We thank you, Lord, for our children. Uh, we pray for them as this message was primarily focused on them. But in one sense, we are all children of God. Enable us, O oh Lord, to honor you and to also love one another. And so we commit to you these things. We, there's many other prayer requests that we have. Uh, we lay them all before you, praying the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. All right, for our closing hymn this morning, again, we go back to Psalm 103, the blessings from God, 103. This time it's D, 103D. And is that the one, that's the one we want to watch for the dots, which are pauses. All right, 103D. Receive now God's blessing and benediction. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy 
of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever.